on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. All right, we'll try that again. Which there was no reason for me to even say that. This is the Stone On Air podcast. My name is Brian Stone. The weekly dose is what you get each and every Wednesday. This is the random show up and do a show when I feel like it kind of thing. And um, do-overs are always a good thing when you get an opportunity to do a do-over. Appreciate you guys finding the show. It is uh, available for download anywhere you get podcasts. This is the brand new Dead Dead song, and you should listen to it all the time, at least for the next few seconds. From an EP that's coming out later this summer, and it just so happened last night, uh, Letitia texted me, Metadead, said, look at my band, or look at the, this band on my Instagram, they're called Mighty Jabronis, and they play wrestling themes and originals about wrestling. She knows I was a big fan of wrestling growing up, so I said, I will, and I'm glad you text, because Nothing Will Be Fine is as good a song as I've heard this decade, and I mean that, this song is absolutely incredible. And um, for those of you that don't know, Letitia was on with me uh, back in May at some point. We talked about the fact that her sister is no longer in the band. And I'm not, that was the on the record conversation. I'm not sure that there is an off the record conversation. But I, I say all that just to say it's, it feels like there's a little bit of a transition right now. And I think it's really, really good for what they're doing. Um, Started kind of as a gimmick. TJ is my guest. I'll go ahead and bring you on here. TJ Griever, how are you doing, man? Hey, what's up, Brian? Known Letitia for a long time as well, and absolutely, um, and a big fan of, of her work. And most all of us in this city are. And um, it started off as, and I think you you will at least agree with this a little bit, TJ. I mean, you don't know where this is what we're going to talk about, but as a, as a gimmick, you know, the, the 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 Dead Dead's thing was kind of gimmicky. It was it was the costumes. It was kind of um, it had the almost like a death metal kind of the the the, the roars like the roar, 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 that, that kind of stuff right. Letitia doesn't sing songs like that right, you know right. but it was a really I mean gimmicks sometimes people think gimmick is like a bad word I don't mean that in a bad way at all it it caught them all kinds of attention that they deserved and the fact that there are five very good-looking uh, women didn't hurt anything either on, on tour with uh, with hailstorm and good friends with Lizzie Hale didn't hurt anything either but it was this kind of gimmick and over the last three years that gimmick has kind of worn off a little bit and I think with this transition from Mandy leaving the band and now they're going more of a rock focus they took the keys out of it which I usually like keyboards in my rock and roll but they took it out and it and where I don't think they need the gimmick is they don't need the gimmick in the music in the writing right because it's they're too good at it absolutely she's uh They've been working on those songs, and I think being in Nashville, that initial kind of gimmick, if you will, definitely made them, uh, they made a big splash with it, and, you know, it got them, like you said, all kinds of attention, and, uh, I mean, she's always been 
good, even on acoustic. Whatever genre. It right, is, right. Yeah. So uh, I can see what you mean. Yeah, no, they, and, they rock, though. And with that new song, <laughs> Nothing Will Be Fine, and a couple other ones I've heard from the yet-to-be-released, it's more what I expected as just really good rock and roll. Like, it, didn't, it doesn't have to have these, I call them bipolar tempo changes, you know, just for the sake of doing right. it. And I think that's a, a, it's a really good evolution, and I'm really excited to see where they're going. I mean, I'm, I, dude, I think she's going to be a freaking superstar. It's, I mean, uh, she's already almost there. Yep. We wish her the best. It's the first time I heard that track. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's good. It just they it's just the, the released the video. I think it might have been just yesterday. So it's it's just hitting out there now. But you've been on with me at the old radio station for things that didn't really have much to do with anything other than maybe just promoting a show real quick. Right, right. Like it wasn't really any other reason than that. And then I've had this other gig with trying to do more local performances and stuff. And you've never we haven't hooked up and had you on one of those. No, we had we had one on the books and something happened and then there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I got fired, I think. Was oh, what that's, that was. that's what that was. <laughs> Is that what happened? I think maybe that was it. I can't remember, but uh, the communicators are uh, playing today here at the second second Saturdays Saturday. on Station Street. There you go. S S's in there. Alliterations. Communicators, for anybody who doesn't know, which most everybody does, tell me about that band. You know, we're kind of just a collective of Chattanooga musicians. We have some staple players in the band but there is a rotating cast of folks that we call upon to do certain things uh today we got a couple of guests sitting in with us as far as guitar players go you know you get the guitar museum thing going so we didn't bring you know three drummers down so we got some some guitar players with us today but uh it's a it's a local collective we do themed shows uh we've covered albums we do uh uh, that 90 show is one that's pretty popular. That's my favorite. I mean, we're, yeah. that's that's our, you know, bread yeah. and butter there. We, uh, Teenagers we, of the 90s. Right, right. We have success with that. We've covered, you know, whole albums and, and movie soundtracks and, and things like that. But uh, we just get together and uh, we throw a party. That's do you, ha- do you have it. any collaborated originals with this band or is it all it's uh, all covers. themed, all themed yeah, yeah. covers? Yeah, it's all, it's all themed covers. And then my new... Uh, my new original project, TJG and the 423s, kind of came out of this setup. As yeah, far a lot as of the same same uh, suspects you'll see yeah, in that band, exactly. too. Yeah, exactly, and that's more of a focus on some of uh, the songs that I was working on, you know, as the com- communicators came about, and I was like, you know, it'd be really fun to uh, do this with a, with a focus on the songwriting the communicators we just uh we get together and throw a throw a party man that's you know that's what it's all about do you guys ever do any of your originals from the bands of the bands that are involved like do you ever play a a jones's song or does dan ever you know or is it strictly just stuff that most people have heard of it's all covers because that would be covers in a way right right. it'd almost be cool to see a set of you guys playing the that, different bands, De- Decibella and stuff like that. That would be very cool. Um, and back in the day when we first got going, the way it was is we would have the original bands open the sets That's and some right. other I guys. Mean, and then yeah. then then after that, you know, everybody would collaborate on the covers. And uh, I like that idea, though, Brian. That just, sounds great. It just popped into my head. Give me credit at least once. Absolutely, Stone. You heard <laughs> it here I, first. I, I want to play on you, in your damn communicator. That's one right. Of these days We're too. gonna have to bust out. Uh, you should get up there today. We do Cracker Song or something. Yeah, man. That oh, one man. I can do. do. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't. It's the same chords the whole song. Nice. <laughs> so it's not like you got to put a lot of practice into it. I, I like those. I like those yeah, songs. It, make, it makes them easy. Um, you've had a handful of bands um, in the city that people are aware of. The four two threes. You jumped out kind of right around. Um, it was it was Road to Nightfall last right. year, right? Last year, this right. in 2016. Yes, sir. And then, um, so that is that still a project that you have 
much time to, to devote to? It it is, and I think you're I mean, your family man now. Yeah, yeah. The time the time is the uh, is the deal. I don't have any, so yeah. um, it's a problem with time. It runs out. I've been uh, I've been working on this record at the Soundry with Mr. Brett Nolan. I saw and, him uh, earlier. Is he playing with you today? He's yeah. He's with us today, and uh, I've got seven tracks that I'm going to release this year. Okay, great. Um, but the live show thing, man, it's tough to. These uh, we played Clyde's last night, and we're doing this today. And I think that's the first public shows I've played since March. So it's been uh, done a couple of private gigs, weddings, parties, things like that. But uh, the way the way life is uh, presented itself to me uh, this year, I I can't even believe it's July already. It's I mean, it's, 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 crazy. In, it's insanity, man. And I'm just you know a single dude who's got to take care of one person. That's me. Uh, tell me about family life. How is it with the little guy running around, it's man? It's beautiful. I love it. It's it's a whole new level of inspiration and uh, appreciation for for life. And just uh, I think that being a musician is just part of me. It's not who I am necessarily. It's not something that I'm hungry for right now. I do it because I love it. But you know, right now it's not where I want to focus my time. Honestly, yeah. you know, it's more. It's more of writing the songs and spending time with my family and, you know, doing doing other stuff that, you know, I feel like in the long run, the, the music was a priority of mine for 12, 15 years. And it's honestly, in a lot of ways, for crea- creatively and, and personally, been really refreshing not to have to worry about it. Really? Because, yeah. see, I was about to go the other direction is in, when, you know, the radio stuff was drying up for me. That was like my creative outlet. Right. And, and I know a lot of people... And I would have assumed you would have been in this grouping of people that if there if there's not something to work on, if there's not something to try to create, if there's not something to that needs preparation and, and development, I, I go crazy. Like, right. I, and, and so I guess you were doing it for so long that having that time off and to focus on, you know, again, I wouldn't know what it's like to have a you know a little boy running around. That would right, probably right. change my entire you know mindset. I'm sure it does. It does. But for yeah. me, it was that man. I got to keep moving. I, I'm going to go not, like I'm going to go mad. Oh, yeah. If I don't have something to occupy my what I believe is a somewhat creative brain, it's not that great. But. Right. No, I mean, and you're exactly right. You know, I think I'm I'm more focused on uh, I run a restaurant that's demanding. My wife has started two businesses on her own. I saw that. Yeah. And uh, you know, we've we've just been really kind of focused on other creative aspects. You know, like I've been working on this album, which has given me that kind of focus to want to have some time to get out there and 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 try to make it sound as good as we can and. And I'm, I might have been taken for granted the different levels of creative outlets you have. I can imagine raising a child takes a lot of damn creativity. <laughs> you you <laughs> got to you got to be thrifty. Yeah. Yes, you, you do. It's a uh, constant uh, itinerary of uh, what can we do next. Tj you know. Tj is my guest. We'll put the wraps on this here in just a minute. Um, Joneses was a band for forever. Do you ever see there being a uh, time when you guys? do that again for for just for, um, for nothing more than a, a, a jj's night someday i mean i wouldn't ever say that that wouldn't happen i don't foresee it happening i mean the bohannons are still a hard-working band so it's not like they have a lot of speaking of time we got we got billy c with us today he plays bass with the bohannons now that's right that's um, right matt has two beautiful uh, twin girls and you know marty's always got his uh he's got his hands in a lot of stuff um you know booking and and uh, playing and all that stuff, and I think it's one of those things that maybe one day, you know, Danimal, of course, uh, he's everywhere constantly. Um, Adam Brown's currently playing with Nick Lutzko. Uh, he was the drummer in this the Four Two Threes project. Uh, actually, on the album, I had just about every drummer I knew on there. I got 
Crispy from Strong. I got Ivan on there. I got Sussman. I got Adam Brown on we there. We got plenty of good ones in, in town. I, I tell you, um, I'm just lucky that they all said yes. And uh, But, yeah, you know, I wouldn't ever rule that out. Never I mean, say that, never, right? right? That, I mean, that was my baby, man. That was 12 years of pushing and grinding and, you know, finally getting to the level where we got, you know, uh, um, an agency behind us and starting to make some waves. And, uh, you know, as things do, you just never see the next curve coming, and it just kind of – you know, it took a different direction, and, you know, things change, and it just, uh, we had a lot of success, and, you know, that's taught me a lot about, you know, um, oh, thanks, brother, appreciate it. Um, it taught me a lot of things about a lot of stuff, personal relationships, you know, expectations of not forcing things so much, you know? Yeah. If, if, it, if it happens, it happens, and uh, if, it's, if it's time, it's time, and be good to people, you know, keep these relationships good with the club owners, with the musicians, with your fans. And, and you got to stay true to yourself, man, and, and you know, and, and be good to your family because, you know, that's life's ever-changing, and, you know, you take things for granted, and uh, you, you really just got to make sure that you're able to bend with when it changes and, and you know, learn to grow from stuff because, I mean, you know, it's like if you don't do that, then you, you it's going to, you know, you don't want to get stuck somewhere too long. You know, like you're saying, if there's not something going on pushing you forward, then it's kind of... It's one of those things where you just get, you get docile. I mean, and honestly, in the scene, it's easy to do sometimes, and it has been over the years. But I feel like this town is bigger and better than ever in the it arts is. community. There's there's great stuff coming here. There's great people. There's all kinds of new talent. And I'm just excited to be able to, uh, from my vantage point in this light that my life is currently in, is being able to kind of sit back and look at some things and kind of take it in and, and you know, it's not. It's smarter, not harder. You know, when you're young, you're able to grind it out. You go out all night. You're meeting all these people. You're hitting it hard. You're touring all the time. You're playing. You know, hey, we played three three empty rooms in a row, and then hey, one night you got a great <laughs> show. It's you know, it's just smarter, not harder, well, and in a different light. And I love music, art, and I love people, and that's what I do. And I look forward to continuously doing that throughout my life in different levels of it. Well, it sucks getting older until sometimes you sit back and realize. It doesn't suck all that bad, actually. <laughs> you said it. You, you said it. You about. start. You start to figure things out a little bit. Now the, the aches and pains kind of suck, but oh, outside yeah. of that, wiser older is good. TJ, I've known this guy for a long time, and I love you, man. I love you, Brian. And I appreciate you jumping on here with me. This is the Stone On Air podcast. Going to put this segment in the books. Got Dave uh, Weinthal from the Enigma coming up next, and then we'll wrap it up with with uh, Mike Dewar, old Uncle Mike, at Lucky the Mike. end Mike. of the show. Appreciate uh, Monica and Adam. And Mike himself and uh, uh, Reed out there with logistics and everybody whose name I'm never going to come close to remembering to help me put this together, this live to tape recording of the podcast on Station Street for the second Saturdays on Station Street. Two left, August and September. Get on down here now. Be right back. We had a way to the moon. Up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. You're back with the Stone On Air podcast, recording live to tape on Station Street. It is the second Saturday's music series, concert series, I guess is what it is, once a month. Got two left. This is January, excuse me, January, July 8th is when this podcast is being recorded. So you got August and you got September, right? Seven, eight, nine. Yeah. 
coming from the world of the radio industry, it's 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 difficult to put together a show that's kind of like a radio show, except it's not. And then you go out of order. So I've I've done the the the, the final segment's already done. This is the I don't know somewhere in the middle. I'm still looking for TJ, but by now we probably I've already had TJ on. So bear with the uh, kind of clutteredness uh, of the show. My name is Brian Stone at Stone on Air on all social media. Big time down here in Station Street. Even if it's not for one of these weekly or excuse me monthly live music giveaway, whatever they're doing on the second Saturdays, buzzing down here every single weekend. I mentioned it to um, here in a few minutes with. Mike Dewar, that it's becoming one of the, the premier uh, lodging de- destinations of the Southeast. While Airbnb tends to take over the way a lot of people, especially millennials and not just millennials, Gen Xers too, and all ages, the way that they uh, travel and lodge. Now you have something like this that gives you, I mean, this is almost a, a weekend in itself all, all by itself. So check it out anytime you're downtown and get away from that tourist stuff man i remember when the, dave weinthal is my guest here from from the enigma magazine we'll, we'll go we'll do the bio here in a minute but remember when that side of town not too long ago was where you were at the north shore yep. and then you know maybe 10 15 years ago it was getting kind of hip down there and then no that's not where you go anymore that's not where the cool people hang out anymore anyway it's down here on the south end uh, Dave, thanks for dropping in here real quick. My pleasure. I'm glad I could fill in some time for you. Yeah, here. I um, we were just talking a minute ago, I've known of your work and of you for, I'd say, at least 20 years. And uh, I believe we've been in the same room together a handful of times. But I wasn't sure that we ever formally had met. And so we have now officially gotten uh, that out of the way and, and talk about things into the future uh, later on. But your involvement with uh, the Enigma, one of the... Uh, maybe not original, but of, of my time, original um, alt-weeklies um, in the city of Chattanooga. Your involvement is much different now than it used to be. Am I right? Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's morphed or it's, it's evolved from the very beginning. So More so. of a contributor? Well, I'm, maybe? I'm, I'm the founder. Yes. And so I've, I, what I did a couple of years ago, we were an alternative weekly. We started back in 1995, in the first week of January. And around 2013, 2014, we saw things were changing. Went to went, switch to a monthly magazine format. And then for about a year, I said, I, I totally abandoned the print aspect and went with digital publications. Yeah. Where you could uh, download it, um, you could get an email address. I'd send you, it'd be the same thing. You could read it on your phone, whatever mobile device you had, and flip the page, same pages as you would if you had the actual printed paper. But then I started getting phone calls from uh, a gentleman named Paul Burke. He was the founder of Native Tan, the, I guess the biggest rival for Coppercom back in the day. Okay. And he, I've met Paul before. Yeah, Paul was a big was a big fan because Enigma, compared to other publications, is a little bit more edgier and less mainstream. And he's like, "What is it going to take to get it back into print?" Of course, I sent him a ransom note, and uh, <laughs> we came to an agreement. And so we came back into print in March of 2015 as a monthly. It's a glossy magazine. We distributed through the Greater Chattanooga area. We do some distribution in Atlanta looking at other markets and for a while there we we're in Dallas as well because I've got a contributor there I'm really good friends with a gentleman um, that owned Jam Magazine in Atlanta which is like, or not, not in Atlanta but da- da- Dallas which is like one of the biggest music publications that was in the Dallas uh, Fort Worth area yeah so um, let me this just popped in my head it is the Brevis magazine mm-hmm. was that was that uh, did you have anything to do with that was yes, that, was, that was that that was Enigma 
That was pre-Enigma. I because I, be, I just I literally just I was like, wait a second, wasn't it Brevis at one point? Right. And what what's what is Brevis? How did how did that Brevis. come? Brevis. Brevis. Sorry. Okay. Well, back a long time ago, I first got started with Alternative Weeklies back around 19 in January 1990, and my sole goal was when I got a job at the Loafer was to promote local music because nobody else would do it. The Free Press and the Times back then there were two separate papers. Yeah. You, it was very rarely that they would do any kind of article or news on a local band, and you couldn't get booked anywhere locally. And we started a nonprofit called the Chattanooga Music Co-op with Richard Tate, Jack Gray, Beck Towery, and Jim Ruth, who used to be the entertainment editor for the Free Press, which is what uh, Barry Quarter is now. Yeah. And Beck worked for the Times, and Jim, of course, worked for Free Press. They both said they would talk to their guys to see if they they would let them put an article in about it. And then Beck says, well, there's an alternative weekly that just started called The Loafer. If we, But the guy that owns it's a jerk. So we'll never get anything in there. I said, I'll tell you what, guys. I'll go get a job there, and I'll take it over. We'll put anything we want in there. And that's basically what I ha- what happened. All right. And, and then, then it folded after about nine months because the founder, a guy named Randy Jarvis, got his feelings hurt a couple times and wasn't making the kind of money he was used to making in Atlanta. And so I went to Atlanta, came back, and I was doing. A, I was helping out an auto publication here. And I was typing up my business plan to start Enigma. And he went through. I left it open on my computer, and he sat at my desk and read my files and called me in his office. Says, "I like your business plan. I'd rather do that than what we're doing now." So we changed the auto shopper into what we he called. He came up with the name Brevis. He didn't like the name Enigma. He thought Enigma was too edgy back in 1992 or 91. All right. And so we came up with Brevis because it's Latin for me. The, word, the name Enigma was too edgy. Well, see, Brevis is Latin for short and concise statement. Okay. I said the, Brevity, Brevis. Yes. Right, because the, the concentration back then was to have short, concise articles that uh, you didn't get bored reading. Of course, now I write articles that are 4,000 words in line. See, I like that. I always think brevity is king. I, I, I looked at these articles, and you, you, you're, you're, you write, and you always have, and I, so you might have a different thought on this. I. Maybe it's because my, my, my attention span is starting to turn into what the average young person's attention span is, and I get I get bored easily. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's interesting that that far back that that was a, uh, something that you were discussing with your contemporaries, because it just seems like that, well, I guess Maxim probably was probably the one major magazine that uh, mainstream that came out that kept things very, very short. Right. Um, because Rolling Stone, which I'm a big fan of, still subscribe to, you know, 4,000 word, Articles, and if I don't really, really love what I'm, who the person is, and I'm reading about, I get lost on a porch on a Sunday morning, and not get to the point. Who is this person? What are we talking about? Well, that's one of the reasons behind a lot of Q and A interviews instead of the tradition. The traditional interview used to be, you know, you put somebody's quote or he said this and he said that. Yeah. And you, there, there used to be a lot of issues in the '80s and '70s where artists would swear that they were being misquoted. I don't know if you remember um, the movie Almost Famous where, oh, yeah. where the, the kid was the, they called the, the press the enemy. Yeah, Because yeah. they were, hey, the press was famous for That mis- sounds familiar, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Doesn't that sound a little familiar these days? But, sorry, exactly. go ahead. So they would, uh, were getting misquoted, so I figure out, if I did everything, in Interview Magazine, which is, was started by Andy Warhol back in the, uh, almost 45 years ago, yeah. maybe 50 years ago now, it's been that long. They, Start with a Q&A format because with a Q&A format, you allow the person you're interviewing to hang themselves as long as you don't mistranscribe whatever they're sure. saying to you. 
And also, a true conversation, a, a, tr a good interview is not, you know, you have 20 questions and you yeah, ask yeah. them all. It's having a conversation with that person. The, those questions should be there just as reference or to get you started. And then you, if you need to go back to them or if you get into a dead spot, you can yeah. There's some Yeah, there's some people who do local spoken word format in this city. They could use a, a, a little bit of uh, training in that department of, uh, yeah, you, when you interview somebody, it's not, what's your favorite color? Red. What's your favorite band? Pearl Jam. Like, it's... It, right, it, and there, there was places for that in, in fun kind of interviews or fun kind of magazines. Like, I can't even remember their name. They're, not, they're out of print now, but back in the, in the mid-90s, there were a lot of... Um, lifestyle and pop music magazines, or uh, for lack of a better phrase, that yeah. would have those kind of silly interviews, just like uh, what's your favorite food on the road, or something like that. Yeah, Dave Weinthal is my guest here as we uh, wrap up this segment here on the Stone on Air podcast, live on Station Street, the second Saturday is here in July, on July 8th. Uh, we were just kind of talking about it a minute ago off air. Your thoughts on this, the current state of, of, of the media in in Chattanooga specifically, and maybe in comparison to uh, some of the other southeastern cities that you spend some time in, I know you do some some Atlanta coverage, some Nashville coverage, maybe even further out than that that I'm not aware of. Just if you would, just kind of your thoughts on on all the way around in the southeast. I have an easier time getting approved for do anything in other markets I do in Chattanooga. I, I'm not surprised to hear that. I mean. I actually overslept. I was supposed to be in Atlanta last night to, to cover a band called RFI, which is on Walt Disney's label. And I'd interview them. So they actually called me and asked me if I would interview them. They consider, a, lot, a lot of media or um, band representatives consider me an Atlanta publication because we're, Channing is an hour and a half away from Atlanta. And back when I started back in the early 90s, Atlanta didn't have much, or Chattanooga didn't have much going on. And Chattanooga was pretty much considered theoretically a suburb you would go to a show, a big show would come to Atlanta. You get smaller or medium-sized shows in Chattanooga, and they've gotten better in the last 10, 12 years. It's gotten a lot better and that, from that from an entertainment right. aspect, definitely. But, but from course, a coverage, from a media standpoint, from a, from a beat, from the beats, I just, I just don't see it here anymore. And I still see it, like in Nashville, the, the Nashville scene is, I think, an incredible uh, of, of Alt Weekly. The, the East Nashvillean is a really good um, uh, publication. And I just don't see any of those kinds of things. I don't see the North Chattanoogan here. Like, I don't see real good quality community coverage. The trouble that is the way this market is, and um, just to backtrack this a little bit, I became really good friends with Debbie Easton, the founder of Creative Loafing, yeah. about 20 years ago. It's a great, it's a great uh, publication. And she and I would go, she'd actually invite me to come down. I'd go down on a weekly basis, and we'd go out to lunch and talk business. And she says, I'm looking at your business model, the way you did things. She had me, I went to a publisher's convention that she posted. And she had her people follow me around after they started talking to me. She goes, You're per you got the perfect business model. She goes, if you were any other market, we looked at your advertising market, and it's the most screwed up advertising market we've ever <laughs> seen. She said, any other market, you'd be a multi, multi-millionaire by now. And I said, yeah, I know. Dave Weinthal, thanks for jumping in here. I'm going to wrap this uh, segment up. I'm going to talk to Mike Dewar next. The we'll find out what he's called exactly for the Songbirds Museum. He does a lot of different things. Mike Dewar, coming up next on the Stone On Air podcast, the most listened to, the most downloaded, the most easily accessible show in the city of Chattanooga. We'll be right back.
back with the podcast. Recorded live to tape at the second Saturdays here on Station Street. Mike, Mike Dewar is my guest. Sorry, Mike, I had to do it. <laughs> Pretty funny. Pretty funny. It, it's Sussman's fault I, I for making that damn shirt. Oh, I'm aware of that. <laughs> Mike Dewar, um, formerly of Rhythm and Brews, formerly of uh, the old Sandbar, been promoting and booking music in town for uh, a long time. And so I'll just shift gears to a song I, I should have been using, some, some Vince Gill instead. There you go. Because um, it's the only Vince Gill song I know, not saying anything negative towards the man. Vince Gill's country's not quite my thing, but... Um, he's a player. He certainly is. And uh, what, what are we calling you these days at Songbirds Museum, Guitar Museum? Talent buyer? Sure. Let's roll with the that. The boss? I, I, I do bring in shows, and I talk to a lot of customers. You're not you're not playing guitar. You're not no. working on guitars. No. You're not analyzing guitars. It makes perfect sense that I should work in so, a guitar museum. So you are the head boss of the guitar museum. Perfect. Now, I have not even been upstairs yet, so you're going to have to take me up there before sure. uh, before I get out of here. Of course, I had TJ on here earlier, and the communicator is playing down here. You're... Uh, I guess it's a, it's a monthly concert series here, right. se- second Saturday. the second Saturday of, it's not just a clever name, it's exactly what it is. Yep, there are uh, five of them through the summer. And so this is the third one right. here on July 8th, I guess, is today, right? right? In August, uh, the Beaters and the Power Players, some old school 60s, and then uh, we're going to have some Harleys in here in September and uh, some rock and roll. We're still working on that one a little the, bit. Uh, the Gibson guitar bus right. is out there. Is it here right. every week, or is this for nope. the giveaway for this week? It, it's because we've uh, changed out uh, the green room of the museum up there, and uh, uh, we're doing the history of Les Paul. And so along with everything changing upstairs, uh, Gibson came back down, and uh, it's a rolling museum. It's fantastic, and all their people are here. Um, we also have Jim Waisaki, who came on in, who was Les Paul's good friend for years and years and years. He's got about a dozen guitars up there that you can play, including one that Les made for Jimmy Page that you too can play, Brian. Oh, well, I'm and, down. Uh, I'm down. Every. Anybody that's up there can play those instruments, and, and he, he speaks to the history of the whole thing. And the the museum is open um, year round and yep, regular seven days a week, regular business hours of mm-hmm. sorts. Um, before we get to to kind of where Songbirds came from, is the main reason I wanted to talk to you. Uh, highlights from Bonnaroo this year. I haven't talked to you since we were there. You weren't there very long, but uh, you weren't there for a long time. But you were there for a good time. At least I know I was. It looked like everybody else was in the same boat as me. Yeah, I uh, obviously I wasn't even there 24 hours, so uh, it was a great campsite. I knew it wasn't long, but I didn't realize it was not even no, a full day. No, um, I had a lot of fun seeing uh, Rainbow Kitten Surprise. I think I enjoyed that one the most. And you've got them um, on the uh, the Brewfest lineup right? now mm-hmm. too, don't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're coming up, and um, I don't know. I, I just went and saw a bunch of stuff I didn't really know. Well, that's what I did the whole weekend, and it worked mm-hmm. out really well. And there was a lot of band names like Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Mm-hmm. I was like, what in the hell mm-hmm. is this? Yeah, we need to work on that. <laughs> it seems like now the, uh, the the big trend is to name your band something so far out there. Well, now it, it goes to RKS, like it ran over the Atlanta Rhythm section or anything else. Everything gets shrunk down. So sure. that, that's how it'll end up. I spent actually a lot of time at the EDM stage, surprisingly enough. Yeah, that is surprising to me. I didn't even uh, venture over there much. It is. 
was a brilliant move on their part. Yeah, it was. It's not my favorite uh, thing, but I was totally impressed by that whole that whole stage setup. They were able to to drop down the demographic age about uh, probably on average five years or so, yep. which is what they need. They yep. need the younger the better for for, yep. for mass ticket sales. They want you know rich guy VIP dude too, but they right. really rely on those um, on those young people. And I'd say they, I mean, just based on eyeball tests, I was like, there's a lot of kids here, and that's good, and that's what they needed. I think it was a, again, 24 hours. I thought it was fantastic. I, I didn't have any complaints. You know, restrooms were clean, amazing. Yeah, they were clean. Showers were warm, amazing. Uh, the in and out, the whole attitude of the people at the gates was terrific, I thought. Yeah. I, I, I really didn't have any downside other than no free beer, but past that. Well, you know, every now and again, you can't have everything for free. But well, I try. I try, I try my damnedest, too. I'm usually <laughs> yeah. pretty good at it. Mr. Miller beer. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's transition back over here to the songbirds. How does it that... Well, let me hold on. Let me back up. When I heard there was going to be a guitar museum here, uh, maybe upwards of a year before it came, my first question was, "What? Why? Like, I don't like why here? Why would we? Why would somebody want to do that here? Why wouldn't that be a Nashville thing? Why wouldn't that be even maybe an Austin, Texas thing? Why Chattanooga? I, I think uh, they looked at all those options, but the guitars themselves are housed in Chattanooga. They were collected by people from Chattanooga and people that live in Chattanooga. And they thought I just didn't know there was that big of a of a of a niche collection group of people in town that, that did that. I'm not saying that there is, but um, everything is here. That's Let's do it, it here. Let's okay. bring people to town. And so, quite honestly, probably 80 percent of the people that come to see us uh, come from all around the world. I literally have met people from all over the world already. We've been open four months. Um, Thursday, tons of people from Atlanta, from Birmingham, from Chicago, from New York. All coming, going, wherever, uh, Florida, vacation, or just day trips. Well, I've been sitting down, sitting right outside Hush Lounge and Revelry Room, where this is set up, where the, the stairs to Songbirds is right across away from me here. And I know you got to love this. I've seen a bunch of people up and down with their gift bags and yeah. hats. And, and, and so it's quite the tourist attraction. Yeah, no, and what, it, I, what I believe is be up. becoming one of the most uh, destination-seeking hotel uh, hotels in the, in the southeast. Right. Well, it, it's just... The great thing is, when people walk in, we already have something in common. They're here to see this collection. And so everybody is so geeked out to be here. And so talking to them, is, it's just, it's a blast. They want to tell a story about their first concert, their first guitar, their first song that they learned, yeah. all of that stuff. And, and I want to hear that. I've seen a million concerts. We can compare notes. A, sure. guy, a guy Wednesday, we discovered, he was sound tech for Waylon and Willie for years. And so uh, we eventually realized that we were both on stage in 1995 in Sarasota, wow. Florida at a baseball stadium. Wow. People got stories all day long. So, Tell me how Vince Gill becomes uh, involved with this as the, uh, the ambassador, I guess, if you right. will, of, of, of Songbirds Museum. Well, he's got a terrific collection, and he heard about what we were doing and was totally in on it. And... Uh, is just excited to be a piece of it. He's not a big piece, but he came down. He is the ambassador. He is the face. He's played uh, a couple of times here, and hopefully we'll get him for a couple more. Where does he reside? Up in Nashville. He is in Nashville? Yeah. That yeah, was another, I, I think I saw that, and that was another reason I was like, it's still, it was just to me, it was, again, on, in the initial idea, uh, and, you know, 
cynical me sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. I was, uh, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't know if that's going to work, but clearly it has so far, and it's and the Station Street. It, all the way around has been in, incredible, but um, yeah, Vince Gill. I've, I remember young. Um, I never was into that country, that the '90s country. That was really where he got super big. But I loved old '60s and '70s rock right. and and um, and rockabilly-ish, if you will. That's probably the wrong way to put Pure Prairie League. Right. But when I saw that Vince Gill was a a, a, a band member of Pure Prairie League a little later in their into their formation, he wasn't an original member. I was like. Well, this Vince Gill is all right with me if yep. he's playing with Pure Prairie League. Yep, yep. And it's great. He just comes in and he just jams upstairs. And it's like I'm actually looking at this guy 10 feet away that's in our museum playing. And now we're getting people from Nashville. It's all starting to spread. And so Steve Warner was down about 10 days ago, great singer-songwriter. His kid who's out with uh, Jewel and um, uh, some country acts. The Jewel, the, the yeah. singer, 90 singer mm-hmm. Jewel. Um uh, so all these people, all these players up there, and there's a million of them, they're all drifting down this way, and they just want to hear about what we've got going I on. I hated to miss uh, Kevin when he was here, Kenny. It was. Uh, he said it was the best crowd he'd had in 15 years. I've seen Driving and Crying, as you know, so many times, and right. Kevin by himself so many times, but right. I've gotten to where I like, I think I like his shows better than theirs, just because they're different. They're always different, and he's... You know, the, 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 the DNC shows have to be, speaking of, you know, abbreviations of bands, but they have to kind of, they have to play certain things every time. And Kevin doesn't have to do that. No, and, and the cool thing was, I, as I watched, he was realizing that everybody was totally dialed in. No one was hanging no, in Nobody a bar goes if they're not dialed in. And, yeah. and so he started just telling stories that I'd never heard, and I've probably seen 50 of his shows. I shouldn't have even brought it and, up. Damn yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He asked where you were. Yeah, I bet yeah, he did. Yeah. He might. I could convince them that we've had a beer together a yeah. couple of times. Yeah. Um, so what the, the plan is to have shows up there with some when when you can get them uh, every other week every week. I mean, how yeah, how, how's I, that going? I think we're going to end up averaging one or two a week. Okay. Um, I want to keep the locals playing, so we've got some of that going. So we've got Drew Sturkey coming in and some folks like that. But uh, we've got some country with Susie Bogus, Sarah Watkins from Nickel Creek, uh, Victor Wooten is coming in yeah, in November, which is going to be just fantastic. Paul Thorne, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. And, and a bunch more. We'll just see. But um, the fun thing is we can reach out to every great guitarist that's out there because they want to actually be here and play here. Well, it certainly is cool, and this entire uh, Choo Choo campus is quite impressive. Uh, Mike Doerr, thank you. You got it. Jumping on here with me, Brian Stone, the Stone On Air podcast. We'll put the wraps on it here and be done with it. I'm going to go catch the communicators and uh, have one of those cold beers we were talking about just a minute ago and enjoy myself you should too every saturday excuse me the second saturday of the month for the next two months so you got two left to go here in the summer of 2017 we'll talk to you guys again on wednesday on the weekly dose what day is that let's see 8 9 10 11 12 on the 12th see you later bye